So um, that's pretty common in, our, in what happens. And so um, I don't want to give away the title yet. It'll come in a second. So the question I have, since this ended up being an all-in because the kids are here, it's uh, Thanksgiving weekend. The qu- first question I have is, how many people have done a cannonball? A cannonball. I almost put the baptismal up and did one. Just so, put it right there, launch myself, but I'd miss. I know I would. I don't have very good aim. So, But okay, so what's the most important part of the cannonball? What is it? Come on. The splash. Okay, well, that's, what's, that's what we always graded on. But I want to say that the ripple is more important than the splash. Because if, you jump, if I jump into a pool, I displace quite a bit of water. And I've done that to my nephew, who's just about two. And the ripple is what scares him when he gets knocked off his little raft or whatever and he gets tossed into the water. So it's the ripple. And what we're going to see in John 9 is we're going to look at the cannonball going into the water, but we're going to talk about all the ripples that are affected. So in John 9, I'm going to give you a quick quick, quick, quick overview of the entire chapter, okay? There was a man born blind. Jesus notices that. We assume that he notices that just due to the fact that either he already knows everything or the fact that most people who are born blind have no eyes or they have deformed eyes. Unlike Saul, who was was able to see at one point, was made blind by Jesus and then restored, he had functioning eyes ahead of time. This, This person is born blind from birth. Um, And then the next part is the disciples being Gentiles and brought up in the Jewish tradition also, everything was stemmed out of sin. So this ailment was due to a sin that was either done by his parents because we have generational iniquities or it was done by him himself. Here's the thing. If he was born blind, that means him was a fetus. So either he sinned in his mother's womb or it's alluding to original sin. Things we don't see when we just quickly read through this. Because so many times we read through the Bible and we just go, I want to get through John. And I want to read it as fast as I can. It's only two pages. You can read it in five minutes or less. So to dive into it and really look through all of it, we have to do that. So we go from there. Then Jesus heals the man. Puts, he spits on the ground. As we know, this is on the Sabbath. Spitting on the ground and making mud is what? It's work. So according to the Jews, he sinned. According to the Jews, Jesus just cast a sin. Also, second, he healed a man. That's also work because it was not a life-threatening ailment. Life-threatening ailments superseded the Sabbath, working on the Sabbath. But healing of non, uh, non-life-threatening things caused it to be another sin. So now he's sinned twice. Trying to go really fast through this, quick, just so we can get to the ripples. Now, because this man has been blind and he's been begging outside the temple and people are going, who is this man? And all of a sudden, people are starting to murmur about it. They're trying to wonder, where where is this man? Now, it can't possibly be that man. It It has to be a different man who looks like him. But the man pleads with him, it is me. It's me. It's me. I've been healed. So they don't know what to do. They've just witnessed a miracle. They don't know what to do. Could, could, 
this be the Messiah? Could he possibly have just healed him? They don't know. And so they go, let's go to the Pharisees. The Pharisees know everything. So we'll take them to the Pharisees. So they go to the Pharisees and they say, hey, this man has just healed me. I'm, I can see now. And they say, well, that's not possible. This man sinned. He sinned twice. No sinner can, can cast out the demons or can heal. Only a man of God can heal. And so they're totally confused. They're totally, totally confused. So the two major things so far that we've revealed is why he was blind, and second, he was blind, but now he, I can see. And those are the two areas that I will develop. So the disciples focused on the splash. They said, who, who sinned? They were focused on the sin. They were focused on the reason why this man was blind. Or why, not necessarily the reason, but how he became blind. But Jesus focused on the ripple. Jesus' statement, which I have to read specifically, says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. You catch that? This man was born blind. He's at least of age, which is 13 years in this culture, that he has been blind. More than likely older than that. I don't see, I don't know if they would have cast him out of the home blind at 13, making him beg at the temple for his food. So I would hope it was longer than that, that his parents had him, but now he's begging. And that's where he sits and he begs. And Jesus goes, I made him, God made him blind for a very long time period. Gave him this ailment so that my Father's glory can be revealed. That's a huge thing. That's a huge responsibility. I mean, how would you feel if that was you? And maybe you do have an ailment that you've been dealing with your entire life. And you don't know the ripple. You don't know if you're going to be healed of it but you have to trust that God's going to heal you of it. And that's, that's the big thing here. It's like, is it fair for God to cause you to have an ailment, an iniquity, something in your life for 30 years, 40 years? We're going to see a young man that he was born blind also. Uh, he's been in the news quite a bit, and he plays in a, in a, in a marching band. He's also in a wheelchair. And you'll see a little video later uh, with that toward the end. But he's okay with it. It's amazing. And I don't know if I would be there. I don't know if, I, if all of a sudden I had an ailment that was so devastating to me, because I'm a very active person. And if God decided to break my legs today and never restore my legs, I don't know how I'd react to that. I don't know how I would be able to deal with that but I hope that I would be able to, and I would hope that I would rely on God through this whole process, not knowing the next ripple, not knowing the next step in this process. So is your God okay to do that? To do that? Are you okay with that? Are you willing to be used as that tool? It's a tough question. I mean, sometimes I feel like sometimes I'm in this for what I get and not what I give. Sometimes I feel like we talk about salvation and that's the goal. That we have to earn our sal- we get our salvation and that's what we get. 
instead of us being able to give and be able to go out and talk to others who don't know, have never seen a church, never seen Jesus, never been witnessed to. Sometimes we just focus on getting our quote-unquote fire insurance. But we have to remember, and I love Isaiah 55.8, we just have to remember this one thing, and I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation because I like it even more. I found this, I usually use NIV or ESV, but the NLT says it even greater. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Obviously, this is God. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. We can't even conceive it, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. More than we can imagine. We can pretty, we're pretty good at imagining things. But it's more than we can even imagine. And we have to rest in that. We have to know that God's ways are way better than our own. Way, way better than our own. So, I alluded to, or I talked about that the Jews and the Gentiles, um, sorry, I'm getting really dry. Um, <clears throat> should have done that cannonball, I wouldn't be so dry. Um, the, uh, but I, I talked about the Jews and the Gentiles being, saying that all ailments, all things come from sin. All suffering comes from sin. And we don't believe that. And Jesus just said, that's not true. It was for his glory. But I like how the Bible Gateway Commentary puts it. If our suffering is not a direct punishment for sin, then it is something God allows to happen in our lives, usually for reasons beyond our knowing, which nevertheless can help us die to self and find our true life in God. God does not allow anything to enter our lives that is not able to glorify Him by drawing us into deeper intimacy with Him and revealing His glory. When we cling to self and our, our own comfort, we are led to resentment. When we trust in God's goodness and providence, we are able to find comfort in God Himself and not in our circumstances. Consequently, we can genuinely give thanks in all circumstances. This week I was working on this sermon, and um, some really dear friends of mine called. Uh, actually, the wife called. And they have a 17-month-old baby. And I, I thought it was very interesting that t- that was the day on Wednesday when they called and t- t- to tell me what had gone on. Their son is a little bit behind on development. And they couldn't figure it out. And they couldn't figure out what was going on. So this week, at 17 months, he's going in to get tested for cerebral palsy. And if that's not the case, then they think he has autism. And I only share this story because there's two decisions that can be made. You can either go, God, I hand it over to you, and I trust you. Or you can go the other way. And you say, if this is how God's going to treat me, I'm done. This gentleman, I can trust you or I'm done. 
Mom trusts. Dad just lost his dad to ALS. He's done. It's painful. It's painful for me, a friend of mine, to say, if this is how God's going to treat me, I'm done. I'm done. So this is a time to really focus on your heart and say, if I was in this situation, which answer do I take? Which one do I do? Do I go and say, God, I trust you. I cannot see the ripples beyond today, but I trust you with everything. And I lay it at your feet. And I pray that you will heal my son. And if you don't, I'm good with that. We have people in this congregation that have gone through this, are still going through it. And there's other, the other option. But I pray it's not an option for you. I pray that you'll stay over here. No matter how hard it is, and no matter what you're going through, I ask you to find Greg, myself, a friend, someone you can confide in in this church to help you walk through something like that. Because we will be tempted to walk away. We will be tempted to go done i'm done and so that's what i ask you to do is to find someone that can help you to go down the path of not being done and the second part of this is this man was blind and now he sees and they just witnessed this miracle i mean what would it be like if somebody in here all of a sudden was healed. Would you be scared? Elated? Question if they were ever really had, really had the ailment? You know, I mean, you hear about people who have broken arms. The next week they don't have a broken arm. Was it a misdiagnosis? Or did they get healed? That's for you to figure out in your heart. But this one... This man, when he's questioned by the Pharisees, the only thing he can say, and he keeps saying is, I don't know who this man was, but I do know I was blind, and now I see. That's how he starts this, when the Pharisees start questioning him. Then, let's look at the first splash, and then ripple. The Pharisees. The splash is, I was blind. But now I see. The ripple. The Pharisees go, if this is Messiah, everything I believe has to be rewritten. It's a new start. I lose my position as the high-ranking Pharisee in the Jewish faith. If everything changes, if this is really the Messiah that heals, everything changes. So they didn't, they didn't want that to happen. So they go, okay, we don't, we don't like this man's answers. We don't believe him, so we're going to ask the parents. Let's see if the parents can give us something we can work with. And the parents say, here's another splash. I was blind, but now I see. So now the parents are standing there, and they're being questioned by the Pharisees, and they go through the same reaction. They go, okay, I had to 
abandon my child because he's blind and I couldn't provide for him, so he's, t- he's begging at the temple. Um, the next ripple is, I, um, I really like my life, and I really like what I'm doing, and I like my position at the, at the synagogue, and I like my faith, and I like all those things, but the Pharisees have said anybody who acknowledges Jesus Christ as the Messiah will be kicked out of the synagogue. So they choose to keep their faith and their position in their community and their friends and everything else over the Messiah and over honoring and being excited about their son who's been blind for how many ever years it was is now can see. They have to, dis, oh, they have to discount it. They have to say, this isn't what I want. I want to stay over here. I want to stay where it's comfortable. I don't want to be outside of my comfort zone that I've become accustomed to. And then finally, the man himself, the splash is, I was blind, but now I see. The ripples. He had to defend himself to the crowd. He was, he was uh, accused of never being blind. That's in the Scripture also. He had to answer the Pharisees multiple times. He had to figure out who Jesus was. And was it worth giving up everything he knew, his place outside the synagogue, probably was in the synagogue, because at one point he actually chastises the Pharisees to say, you don't know where this man comes from? I even know that, and I'm blind, and I sit outside the uh, the synagogue every single day. And I know that. Why don't you guys know it? And so he had to determine if losing everything was worth following this man. And thankfully for him, he did. He did that. So, I guess, <clears throat> I guess the question is, 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 do you trust God enough to allow Him to put you here without seeing all the ripples? Or do we know we're here for a reason, and then we start to try and create our ripples? Do we try and manipulate the ripples? You know, do we kind of, okay, we'll put a dam over here so this ripple can't form the way it's supposed to. I mean, if you throw a rock in a pond, they're even circles. There's no, there's no oblong, you know, maybe if you're skipping rocks it is, but if you actually just drop it, it becomes a perfect circle over and over and over and over and over, and we can't see all the ripples. I mean, I never knew I would be here today at this point growing up. I mean, I went to college. When I went to college, I took the uh, Future Pastors Scholarship, And I said, sure, I'll take the money. Thanks. I'll never be a pastor. I think God got the last laugh on that one. (laughs) I fought it for many, many years. For years and years, I just like, no, I'm not going to do this. I can't do it. I want to be a businessman. I want to do this. Sure. You just do what you think. You know, And, and so I'm thankful that God decided to throw that ripple in there. You know, and another prime example of the ripples or some people will say we don't know how God will trump things you know I don't remember if anybody remembers I'm going to give you some life application that outside of the Bible but how many people remember in 2006 uh, Brittany McComb she was a high school valedictorian I think or something and she was giving her speech uh, for her graduation and she started talking about Jesus Christ and they cut her mic so say so Satan won, cut the mic. We don't want to talk about this. 
We don't, we don't get to talk about this in this arena right here. Let's just say this is the graduation ceremony right here. A decent-sized crowd. Maybe 1,000 people. Let's go to 1,000. So, next day, where is she? Anybody remember this story? She's on the Today Show. They fly her to New York. They put her on the Today Show to talk about how her mic was cut because she talked about Jesus Christ in a little gymnasium. Now, God trumped it and said, I'll put you on an international platform. That's amazing. God does that over and over and over. And we just have to be aware of it. And we have to give Him the glory when things like that happen. I mean, last week, okay, so last week, Kelly and I went on our anniversary trip. It's gonna, we were going to the Bahamas. It's going to be the most magic, magic trip ever. We bought snorkel gear a year ago at Christmas and looking forward to this for a year. So exciting. Look at the forecast, 20 mile an hour rain, uh, winds, rain every day. Awesome. But Kelly and I can have fun no matter where we go. So we're going to have fun. So we're like, okay, so they cancel all the ocean trips. You can't go out on the ocean. The waves are too big. They won't allow it, yada, yada, yada. So we're like, okay, this is a bummer. Or do we say, no, there's some reason for this. Do we find the joy in the circumstances? We do. And so we go, okay, what's, what's the reason? So we, we go on, the, we had to go take a cruise ship over for one night. We take a one-night cruise, which I would never do again. But other than to get back, I guess. But, um, but uh, one-night cruise, Kelly and I were, were like, we're going to have fun. So we entered a twist contest, and we won. So now I, I only tell you this so that when she tells you I don't dance, there's proof. So... <laughs> I never have to dance again, though. No, um, <laughs> but no. And so we're like, okay, so we did that. And we were recognized by this couple that we met. And so they just they sat next to us at this show that we went to or whatever, and we just started talking. And they're strong Christians in, in San Antonio, and they run a youth ministry and different things. And so we just shared. And so the next day we're in the Bahamas, and 80% of the rooms are ready when we get there. Guess whose isn't? And neither is the other couples. So we go to lunch. Guess who's in line right behind us? The other couple. Guess who spends three hours having lunch? The four of us. Okay? The next, so then we're like, hey, we're going to go stand up paddle boarding and snorkeling. And you know my lifestyle. We don't, we don't sleep. You know, we just go, go, go. So God said, okay, you don't, you want to slow down? You don't want to slow down? I'll give you food poisoning for four days. So I had food poisoning to the point that my wife thought I should go get an IV, but I was pretty sure at least two ounces of water a day I could live on that. So, but, so did I get bummed out? No. I didn't. I looked for the joy in it. I looked for the reason why. And the reason why was because we spent every single meal together with this other couple because they weren't as adventurous as us and he allowed us to form a, a strong relationship in just two days. In two days, we got to meet a couple that God ordained this way before creation. And if I would have had my way, I would have tried to affect the ripples. I would have tried to do all these activities and everything else. But he didn't. He said, this is how we're going to roll this. And so we had to find that. Am I bummed out that I didn't get to go snorkeling in the Bahamas? I can go some other time. 
And if I don't, big deal. Big deal. I got to talk to a couple about God for hours on end, and it was awesome. So no matter what happens and the hardships we are given, and that's a light affliction, that's nothing. It really isn't. It really, really isn't. But I just bring that up, that there's every day there's opportunities that things happen, and you have to see, where does this come from? You know, I don't feel like God had it out for me. He was actually helping me out. You know? So, I'd like to share with you um, a young man, the Patrick Henry Hughes. He, he plays in the University of uh, Kentucky uh, marching band. And um, Patrick has a video. Uh, and we're only going to show a very small snippet of it. And bear with us. This is, uh, we're punting as we go along to try and make this happen because we couldn't upload it. Um, but I'll give you the first couple minutes and then we'll... The piece is titled Claire de Lune, Light of the Moon. In the darkness of his eyes and through the sweetness of his hands, when Patrick Hughes plays, it is the music of possibility and the sound of promise. How would you describe your disabilities? Not disabilities at all, more abilities. Abilities everybody hears and sees at every Louisville football game. To understand how Patrick Hughes and his father became a two-person member of the Cardinal Marching Band, go back to when the music began. Born without eyes and with a tightening of the joints that prevents his limbs from ever straightening, Patrick has been blind and crippled from birth. It's just countless the number of dreams that, that die, and my wife and I were devastated. We just asked, why us? We played by all the rules. We worked hard. We just didn't understand. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like, God, I've done everything. I've played by all the rules. I've done it right. I'd, I, his name is Patrick Henry Hughes. I, I, you should watch the whole thing. It's seven minutes long. Respect of everybody's time, we're not going to watch the whole thing. But you should. You should, because it, it teaches us a lesson. And there's a bunch of other things. They, I guess, uh, I don't know, it wasn't Home Improvement, but what are those shows that make over a house or whatever? He was on that show, and he sings this song that I believe that's amazing. It's an amazing song. And he talks about how through all of this, he raises his hands and he bows his head and he's getting more, um, not more inspired, but he's getting more and more fed by the letters in red. You know? And so he just talks, I mean, that is an affliction, if we allow it to be. He doesn't. Thankfully, he doesn't, because he is an attribute. Now, when he said, I don't see my disabilities as, a, or as disabilities, but abilities... The rest of the statement that he makes is, because I get to know people for what's inside of them, not what's on the outside of them. That's amazing. 
It's huge. He, he doesn't get tainted by what we see. And there's so many times we judge people and things and everything else by their circumstances and where they are. I mean, how many times do we sit there and we see somebody who's maybe begging like the man that was born blind, and we say, well, I wonder what he did. What caused him to get into this position? I mean, if he really had any energy, he'd be working. You know, how many times do we do that? I can't say I'm not part of that. I've done it. But we don't even take the time to find out the real story of individuals who are not like us sometimes. But we need to. We need to. So, I want you to hear his response to how he, what he thinks about his situation. That I have with Patrick. God made me blind and unable to walk. Big deal. He gave me the ability to the musical gifts I have and the great opportunity to meet new people. That's your fans, buddy. Maybe when they hear him play, they recognize, wow, you know, imagine the possibilities I didn't even consider when I saw this young man that I now know from hearing him play. So whether it be on a field playing the Louisville fight song or at the piano playing Claire de Lune, in a sense, the melody is the same. Patrick Hughes plays so that we might hear the music of opportunity and the sound of potential. I think that smile captures it for us. You know, and, and last, well, this morning at 2, God decided I needed to start um, thinking again at 2.30 this morning, so I've been up for quite a while, so I love how he does that to me. And I was using examples throughout, and I forgot some of the examples I had written down from the Bible of different stories of, you know, Abraham and Isaac and different places where God is, sh- doesn't show us all the ripples. I mean, with Abraham and Isaac, he, were, he goes up to offer his son, and he provides a lamb at the last minute. That's a ripple. Didn't see it coming. And then this morning at 2.30, I wake up, eyes wide open, pleading for another two and a half hours of sleep because I, I needed it. And he goes, did you forget about my son? He had an affliction. He had to carry a cross for us. And he pleaded three times with his father to say, please, take this cup away. If there's any other way this could happen, take this cup from me. I don't want to do it. But your will, not mine, be done. Every time was his response. So I get it. Even Jesus, who is deity, didn't want to necessarily take that didn't want the affliction. I don't want an affliction. But I have to, at the same time, recognize that it's not my will. It's God's will. And we have to be okay okay with when our plans get messed up for God's good. And so God's glory can be revealed. Are we good with that, church? Okay. I think I gave you a lot to chew on this week. And when life hands you a bunch of splashes, don't focus on them. Try and see where the ripples are taking you. Okay? It's not about the splash, it's about the ripples. Let's pray.